thank you so much. And uh, it is so good today, just before we take our seats, just to be joined by all our campuses. Normally in the 11, I'll say it's just us because we send the 9.15, but we're actually streaming live. And so, come on, why don't we just uh, welcome across our campuses, everyone. And we particularly want to say a massive welcome if this is your first time at Icon Church in any of our campuses. Come on, I know we've applauded, but we just say, welcome home. You can take your seats. I'm excited about baptisms tonight, and uh, so good that 11 people so far have decided to be baptized tonight, but it's not too late. If you have made a decision, as Nathan said, to follow Jesus, um, then it's not too late. Just see the campus pastors or the information point in your campus, and you too could be baptized this evening. Well, it's Vision Sunday, and um, we've not been able to do Vision Sunday for a couple of years in the way that we normally did it. So I was thinking, oh, we'll do Vision Sunday, you know, like we used to do it, and all kinds of information and different things and, and so on. But then I thought, well, I, I just got this feeling that this year we should do a vision series. And actually, this week and next week, we're going to kick it off. But then for the next few months, intermittently, I'm going to be bringing other parts of this vision series. I've called it the future of everything. And uh, we're going to launch these next two weeks, this week and next week, with the future of the church. And the reason I thought we would do that this year is because vision leaks. Vision leaks. And God, you know, has a vision. And he wants to remind us that his, remain, his vision remains the same. And we need to remind ourselves across Icon Church and rebuild ourselves in time and rhythm with God's vision and God's will. 2022, as has already been said, is the year of rebuilding. It's why we did the After the Fire Nehemiah series. There's so many things to rebuild um, in this year. But I want to remind us that God has a vision, a vision for humanity, not just a vision for his church, but a vision for humanity. He's always had a vision and he always will have a vision. Despite our unique as humans' ability to live beneath God's vision, he still has one. Sometimes we can focus on world events and we can think we're doomed and it's all over, but it's not because God has a vision. And sometimes in the Christian church, we can buy into that negativity and all that problematic, but you know, God still has a vision even in the midst of chaos. Do you believe it? And so in 2022, we need to rebuild God's vision in our hearts, otherwise we'll drift to some other vision, which isn't from God. And God wants us to sow the right seeds in the right soil to have a harvest. You know, that can still happen today. On the 12th of February, 2022, just three weeks ago, we had 80 leaders in this room from all our campuses in Chesterfield. Some of you are online who remember that. And I told the story how two years ago when we went into lockdown in March 2020, <coughs> I decided I'd do something I'd never done before. I'd grow tomatoes. And so I did what every person budding tomato grower did. I didn't ask somebody who already grows tomato. I went to YouTube. Because you can learn anything, can't you, from YouTube. And uh, I went to YouTube and I discovered this guy who grows tomatoes from tomatoes. So he gets a, tom gets a tomato, just slices a little bit off, plants it in some soil, puts it on the windowsill. And so that's what I did in March 2020. Paul... 
took a tomato, took a slither of the tomato, planted it in some compost, put it on his windowsill. I like to say, Paul planted, Jeannie watered, and God gave the increase. Well, three weeks ago when I, uh, I did this, I, I did this in the meeting, I actually did that. I actually brought a tomato and I actually cut it, put it in, and I've put it on my windowsill. Paul planted. Actually, this time Paul's watered. But I want to show you what's happened in three weeks. Look at this. I've got, where's the camera? Who's, uh, who's in? I have got a forest of tomato plants. In three weeks, Paul planted, Paul watered, but God gave the increase. I want to talk about this year about the future of everything and for the next couple of weeks talk about the future of the church because I believe that even in this moment of history, in this moment of time, if we will plant the right seeds in the right soil, God will give the increase. I want to start by reading two verses that was going to cover these two weeks. The first is in Mark 16, verses 15 to 16. And this is Jesus speaking after his resurrection at the end of his life. And he says to the disciples, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I want you to realize today, church, where authority lies, where all ultimate authority is. It's not in the hands of Putin or anybody else. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, this is because of that. This is what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm going to be with you, even to the end of the age. I'm so thrilled that we're being able to help the church in Ukraine. It's a church in Kushalin. I've been to Kushalin. I haven't been to this church. It's Anna's parents there. Anna in Derby, her parents, pastors of the church. And last night we got some pictures of they've started their rescue and relief efforts that they've actually been driving to the border, bringing families back. Giving them new clothes, food, safe places. As you heard earlier, I'm so glad that we have been able as Icon Church to play our part and will be playing our part in helping those uh, refugees at this time. Because if we sow the right seeds in the right soil, there'll be a harvest. In these two passages, Jesus is expecting a harvest. He's expecting... Uh, something to happen. He's not expecting the church to fail. He's not expecting that things will be, there'll be a time where we say things are over. You know, some some people say the the time of the church and the age of the church is over. But Jesus is expecting disciples. He's expecting that people will believe the message of the good news, the gospel. He's expecting that people will be baptized. I'm so thrilled about baptisms tonight. But you know, the problem sometimes when we think about a vision is that we're not always clear about what we want. 
sometimes individually, sometimes collectively. We're not certain of what we're looking for. It can be a little bit like, you know, if you've got Amazon Prime, you've got Terrestrial TV, you've got Disney Plus, you've got Netflix, you've got Apple TV, and you sit down and you think, surely I can find something to watch. And then after two hours of scrolling, you haven't actually watched anything. Anybody else had that experience in life? You know, you don't really know what you want. And sometimes that's true individually or collectively. And it can be true as the church, not certain of what we're looking for. And then sometimes we can change our minds. Do you ever start watching something? Having done all that scrolling and thinking, oh no, I'll come back to that. I'll think I'll watch something else. And we change our minds and we leap from one thing to another and never see something through, never stay long enough for a harvest to emerge. A few years ago, as a a leadership and staff team, we asked the question. We had a session and we said, let's define the win. What's the win for Icon Church? Because if we were a football team or we were a sports team, we would know the win. The win would be, you know, top of the table. The win would be more goals than the other team, etc. And we came up with this. The win for Icon Church is people finding Jesus and people following Jesus. Did you get that in Stocksbridge? People, come on, yeah, everybody. Let's all celebrate that. The win is people finding Jesus and following Jesus. And so I want to remind us today, that's our vision. People finding Jesus. We've got some slogans as a church, haven't we? Like, you belong here, or welcome home. And one I love is that most of our church we haven't met yet. And I believe that's true. I believe that's true in Stocksbridge, that we've not met most of our church in Stocksbridge, in Derby, in Rotherham, in Sheffield, here in Chesterfield, that there's so many people we've not met yet that God has purposed need to be part of our church. But I also want to say, I believe there's some people we have met. There's some people we have met that are meant to be in Icon Church. They may be in your family. They may be in your workplace. Maybe they're your neighbors. And I believe they're meant to know Jesus and they're meant to find him and they're meant to follow him. At the end of the service today, we are going to use these tags that you'll find on your seats. I'm going to ask you just to write the name of somebody who needs to find Jesus in your world. I've got a couple of names that I want to put on this tag and I'm going to just ask you, give you an opportunity to bring them forward, place them in some bowls and we're going to pray over them at the end of the service. We're going to do that in all our campuses. And uh, because we've done that several times as a church when we felt prompted to do it and uh, we've got a bowl, I'm stood right now over, there's a bowl under this stage that has lots of names in it that we prayed for when we first moved into this building And uh, we prayed for, and we saw many of those names make decisions and come to follow Jesus, and some of them become part of the the church. We used to get Jake Lloyd, if you know Jake Lloyd, uh, to climb under the stage, but he's got a bit older now, and so I don't think we can get him under the stage. I said to the first service, maybe we get Silas. Uh, under the stage, but then anything could happen. Uh, probably the whole building would not work if, uh, if we did that. But you know, church can be, become about something other than what it's meant to be. That's the sad thing. Other than people finding and following Jesus, church can become a club, a club I go to 
a society I belong to. I do table tennis on a Wednesday or I, I, do, you know, I do bridge club on a Thursday and I go to church on a Sunday. It can be a club, but it's far more than that. Church can become political. It's an alignment politically. We've seen that in other nations. You know, that uh, it's this political alignment, this ideology we agree with. But the kingdom of Jesus stands apart from all the other kingdoms and empires of the world and all the other political ideologies of the world. The church can become just about me. But God has designed his kingdom so that it doesn't work on the individual level. It doesn't work on the me level. One is too small a number for God. And the enemy would love me, Paul, to believe that I am and that you are all that matters. But the Bible teaches us that in, it's in community that we become more. That it's in community that we discover meaning. That we find identity and we fulfill our purpose. So the future of the church, which is what we're talking about today, lies in our together together, becoming the space, the community, the soil where people find and follow Jesus. This has to be our vision. But you know, the church so often can settle for less, maybe sometimes through disappointment because it doesn't see um, what it wants to see, its vision coming to pass. But I want us not to settle for less. I want us to aspire to a vision of seeing people far from God and people who we might think aren't so far from God meeting him and their lives and our lives being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody say amen? amen. Have you noticed that love requires others? It's inconvenient really, isn't it? I think I'd be good at love if all it meant was I had to love myself. I'd be all right. But love requires an object. It requires others. You can't just love yourself. It requires something else. Jesus has asked one time, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And here's the beginning of his response. Matthew 22, verses 34 to 38. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, rabbi, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. For once, the Pharisees loved Jesus. They loved him in this moment because he's just done a smackdown to the Sadducees who were their theological opponents. Jesus has just said to the Sadducees who had asked questions, he says, you're in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And so the Pharisees are ecstatic. Yes, that's given it to the Sadducees. And so now, after this smackdown, they ask the question, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God. And the Pharisees are so pleased. They're so pleased because they want Jesus to stop there. The greatest commandment is that you love God. The Pharisees wanted Jesus to stop there because that was their MO, their mission operandi. It was their thing. In fact, they had over 600 laws that, uh, that I was going to say helped, but they didn't really help. 600 laws that people had to keep so that they would love God. But Jesus refused to stop there. 
He goes on, he says this in verse 39, Matthew 22, he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus says the second is like it, don't think Jesus is saying the second resembles it. He's actually saying, and it can be translated this way, and the second is of equal rank to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus is asked for a single command, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love God, love neighbor. He puts those two things together. They're of equal value. I don't know about you, I've noticed I love others better when I love God. (laughs) There's people right now creating uh, human robots, uh, artificial intelligence, AI is advancing at such a rapid rate, you can tell in your cars, can't you? I now have a car that stops me drifting out the, well, Jeannie has a car, stops me drifting, she doesn't drift, stops me drifting out the lane, and also on cruise control, it it actually slows down when the car's in front slows down. That's AI, artificial intelligence. The only thing it won't let me do is take my hands off the steering wheel and fall to sleep. I'm waiting for that day. But they've actually, people who are creating robots are struggling to find an algorithm, to create an algorithm that stops the robots eventually destroying one another. They're creating these human-like robots, but at the moment, all these robots still destroy one another. You see, the problem is, how can we create machines to do things that we can't? Why does it matter that people find Jesus? Why does it matter that people follow Jesus? Let me give you... Just a few things, Ukraine. I want to thank you again for your support today. The church, I don't know if I've got this right, Anna, it's in Kushalin, I know that, but it, for me, interpreting it, my Polish is poor, but it looks like Christchurch, Kushalin. We're able to do that. Our world is a better place when people find and follow Jesus. We love others better when we love God. Racism, injustice, Poverty, suffering and pain, broken relationships, relationships broken with God, with others, with our true self and creation. You see, God's vision for humanity is none of those things. God's vision is not Ukraine, it is not war, it's not racism, it's not injustice, it's not suffering and pain, it's not broken relationships, it's none of those things. But we need to realize that humanity will always embody those things outside of Jesus. We will always default there without Jesus. I wonder if you've also noticed how everything in creation has got intention, purpose. Every species has uniquely been designed for a purpose. There's a few we wonder about them, but every species has got some purpose. Honeybees, they're designed to build hives and designed to make honey. Not Marmite. They're not waking up tomorrow and saying, we're done with honey, we're going for Marmite. Which is a shame, but they aren't doing that. Silkworms are designed to make silk. A silkworm is not waking up tomorrow and saying, polyester boys, it's polyester from here on in. That's the way to go. It's the future. Ants are designed to form colonies. Humans. We were designed to be human. But we have this unique capacity to 
to live beneath the intended design that God gave us. Humans know that when we were at our worst, we are acting contrary to our humanity, contrary to our intention. And we know that outside of Jesus, we will always act that way. That's why the hope for humanity is people finding Jesus. Jesus is the hope for humanity. It has been for 2,000 years and he still is today. We call it, don't we, inhumane when we act in a way that we, is contrary to our designed humanity. I want to read you something that was from the Second Humanist Manifesto written in 1973. It's the humanist vision. And their vision is just that we are getting better and better. We don't need God. We don't need religion. For somehow I thought somebody was ringing me. It was my timer going off, which I never set. But there we go. Uh, (laughs) I thought somebody was playing a prank from Rotherham and just giving me a call or something in the middle of a message. So the humanist agenda and vision is we don't need God. We don't need religion. We don't need Jesus. We don't need all of that stuff. We've got this. We've got the power, humans. And so this was their manifesto in 73, their second manifesto. It says this, the next century can be and should be the humanistic century. Dramatic, scientific, technological and ever-accelerating social and political changes crowd our awareness. We have virtually conquered the planet. Good luck with that. We've explored the moon, that's true. We've overcome the natural limits of travel and communication. We stand at the dawn of a new age. We're ready to move further and further into space and perhaps inhabit other planets, Elon Musk. Using technology wisely, we can control the environment, conquer poverty, markedly reduce disease, extend our lifespan, significantly modify our behavior alter the course of human evolution and cultural development, unlock vast new powers and provide humankind with an unparalleled opportunity for achieving an abundant and meaningful life. I don't know about you, but that doesn't feel like our world right now. That's not the world I see on my TV screen. Is it yours? I mean, if we'd got everything under control... If we'd got the power to control everything, petrol would not be six pound a litre. I know I'm exaggerating slightly there. It doesn't feel like the world is working right now because we can only be truly human. We can only flourish as humanity in relationship to God. And that's why our vision at Icon Church for 2022, our win is people finding Jesus. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal, as though God was begging through us, as though God was shouting through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I want you to imagine with me a church where people far from God encounter his presence and his power. I want us to imagine a church where every week people say yes to following Jesus. I want us to imagine a church where lives are being radically transformed by the power of the good news of Jesus. I want us to imagine a church in all our campuses where all of us aren't just going through the motion of religion, ticking off some spiritual 
scorecard, but are humbly being transformed into the image of Jesus, becoming truly human. I want us to imagine a church where baptism services are the norm and super regular as people surrender the lordship of their lives and hand it over to Jesus and people join the community of faith, the people of God, the church. This is the vision of Jesus, I believe, for Icon Church. So as I close, I want to just read again those verses from Mark and then just pull out three things that Jesus asks us to do. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Go, Jesus said. You can translate that phrase, go, because it is a phrase in the Greek, as you are going. As you're going about your daily routine, as you're going about your business, your family affairs, your relationships, as you are going, you are on a mission. I don't know, God is going to use you. I don't know if you've ever thought that. God is going to use you as you are going about your daily business. Jesus isn't saying you have to change the whole structure of your life. You have to go and live in another country. You have to go and try and reach some remote tribe. He'll call some people to do that. But for most of us, as you are going into your daily world, perhaps you didn't realize it, but you're a missionary. You're a missionary. You're not just a follower of Jesus, but you're a missionary. Sometimes when I drive to church on a Sunday, well, most Sundays, and if I come through Hasland, I'll see people, not too many usually at that time of the morning, in the, in the town, and they're walking around, and I'll pray. And this is my prayer, and I pray it every week. I pray that that person will meet somebody who knows Jesus. I pray they'll meet somebody who causes them to think there's more for me. There's more to life. I pray they'll meet somebody who isn't gripped by the same level of fear. Someone who even in the face of disaster has got hope because Jesus has conquered death, hell, and even the grave. That somebody could be you. That somebody could be me. As you were going. Every day you and I are on mission. As I said, in a few moments we're going to pray for people in our world, in your world. I'm going to ask everyone in all our campuses just to put some names on these tags or these cards and we're going to pray for those people. Maybe they're family members who need Jesus, work colleagues, neighbors, people who once came to God's house with you, people who say they believe but they're not part of God's family, the church. Let's pray today that they'll be reconciled to God, that the Holy Spirit moves on their hearts and we see them coming back to God. I want to suggest that no one is too far from God for us to pray today. Years ago, Jeannie and I uh, prayed for her mum. Uh, we're praying for her mum for many time and nothing seemed to happen. And Jeannie's mum took an overdose and uh, she tried to end her life and she left Jeannie a note, and um, she, Jeannie was the closest of their uh, sisters. Jeannie's got six sisters. She was the closest to her mum, I think. And uh, the note said how sorry her mum was for what she was doing and how she wanted to come to church with Jeannie and get to know God like Jeannie knew God. Well, I think God heard that cry of her heart because God didn't let her die. 
In fact, she lived another 15 years. And once she was out of hospital, guess what Jeannie did? Jeannie invited her to church. And she came to church. She made a decision to follow Jesus. She was baptized in water, just like people are going to be baptized tonight. And she was part of our church until the day she died. Jesus said, go. As you are going. There's people in your world, there's people in my world. The second thing he says, preach the good news. And I want to suggest for us that can be as simple as investing and inviting. Investing time with people who, we, who are far from God. Investing time with friends, family, colleagues. Just investing time. But with the sense of getting to a point of invitation. Invitation. You see, we are God's voice even when we don't speak, we're God's voice. And as you write these names today, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit will prompt you and prompt me to invest some time and to invite some people in your world to experience God. We've not been able to do it for two years, but now we can. We can invite people to church. We can invite them to dinner. We can invite them to coffee. We can invest in true friendship. And the reason that we would do that, because Jesus is the only hope for humanity. Without him, humanity will be forever locked under the power of sin. I don't feel like I can put my trust in world leaders right now. I'm praying that they do what's right and I'm praying that God inspires them to do what's good, but I can't put my trust in them. I'd love world leaders and, and trust them more if they knew Jesus because when we love God, we love others more and we make better decisions. But we have good news. Good news. And Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to tell that good news. And the good news is this, that Jesus rescues us and fills us with his spirit so that we might live a life that reflects his intention for humanity. To live a life that reflects his design. 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered human history so that we could know freedom. Freedom that to live as he designed us to live. Freedom to live the life that is truly life. A life that loves God and loves people equally. That's what Jesus has called us to. Loves God, loves others. Maybe there's people, I felt just to share this today, maybe there's people in your life and you used to walk together. Maybe you used to sit together in church. Maybe you used to travel together to God's house. But for some reason, maybe through this pandemic, that's not happening anymore. I want to encourage you to reach out to them. You know, the psalmist knew this. He, he's writing in Psalm 55, verses 13 and 14. And he's talking about a friend who's become somewhat of a foe. And he says, but it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshippers. Jesus says, go as you're going. Jesus says, reach out, preach, invest and invite. And the third thing he says is be baptized to people. I'm not going to say too much about that because we'll be saying a lot about it tonight. So glad we've got so many people wanting to be baptized tonight. 
people declaring that Jesus is Lord. You know, the decision that we make when we ask people, would you raise your hand? Would you make that decision to follow Jesus? That's the start. But our obedience, our step of obedience is baptism. It's a declaration that Jesus is Lord. It's a declaration is I'm part of the church. I'm baptized into the family of God. Next week, we'll carry on this part of the series, the future of everything, the future of the church. But I want to just declare today that the future of the church is people and finding and following Jesus. And it's still not too late if you want to be baptized for you to be baptized. So our vision, 2022, people finding Jesus, people following Jesus. Here's how I'd love us to respond today. In a moment, we're going to put a couple of bowls on the stage. and There'll be a bowl in all of our campuses. And in a moment, I'm going to invite you forward. When I invite you forward, I'll hand over to all the campus pastors. We began this message thinking about seeds. And we're ending this message thinking about seeds. As we pray today, as we pray and unite together for the people that you will mention, the people that I will mention, as we pray, we are sowing seeds. As we invest time and relationship and invitation, we are watering those seeds. And I believe that God will give the increase. I believe that God can give the increase. The names and our prayers we're planting, our invitations is our watering. And God will give the increase. If you're online right now, the campus pastors will give you instructions about what's happening and how we can pray online. You can send in those names and we'll put them together with all the other names that we'll claim. We'll put them somewhere in our buildings so that we can be reminded they're there and we're praying for people who need to know God. I'm going to hand over to all our campus pastors who will instruct us in how we move forward just at the close of our service. Church, I'm so glad the church has got a future. It's not done, it's not over. 2022, the church is needed more than ever because Jesus is the hope for humanity.